Princeton women's basketball has been to the NCAA tournament six times in the last seven years, with five Ivy League championships in that span, one undefeated regular season, a National Coach of the Year honor for head coach Courtney Banghart, and a seemingly endless list of other awards and records. But 45 years ago, at the beginning of this blue chip program, the Tigers had to work to get even the basics, court time, uniforms, quality coaching. For this episode of Tracks, we spoke with a handful of women's basketball alumni, with class years ranging from 1975 to 2013, about the history of the sport at Princeton. We begin with Janet Youngholm, class of 75, who helped start the team during her freshman year. The only sport I had played in high school was basketball. I was a public high school kid from northern New Hampshire and we played basketball. When we got, when I got here, there, there were only a couple of sports. Field hockey in the fall, I think t- tennis in the spring. There was one other sport sometime in the winter. But I had um, uh, been encouraged to come here with the idea that we could start with basketball. Sue Cleveland, who's class of 74, not here, uh, was uh, instrumental in, in helping to uh, start a, a Team, as was uh, Mi Ling Ma, the university had decided in their uh, wisdom that to start a, a varsity team, if they hadn't designated it varsity right away, you, they, we, we were supposed to be on a five-year plan. That's five years as a club sport before going varsity. Do the math. It meant that we were never going to play yeah. a varsity sport that we'd already played in high school. So we said, no, 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 that's really not going to work. Youngholm, Cleveland, and a few others gathered a group of interested students to prove that there was support for a varsity basketball team. But it wasn't an easy sell. Here's Youngholm with classmate Abby Rubenfeld. There's an atmosphere around basketball that it's, you know, it's a tough aggressive, it doesn't have the, uh, it hasn't been it's a washed sport. like lacrosse and field hockey and squash and, ten, you know, those other, it hasn't been cleansed for, for women in the way um, uh, that other sports have that are just been accepted that, oh, women play field hockey and that can be a rough sport too, but basketball was just, it was a, a different class, you know, I mean, it wasn't a preppy sport uh, at the time. Um, and I think it was seen as just kind of rough and... uh, Masculine. Masculine, yeah, it was gendered. The university did approve the team with a limited schedule for the 1971-72 school year, but formal recognition didn't lead to respect at Dylan Gym. We had to get guys playing pickup games off the courts for our games, not for practice, for our Varsity games, you'd have to, to shoot the eyes court up. and, and they didn't want to. They yeah. were like, "You're yeah. girls." Yeah. <laughs> and and in, as a, as the picture shows, uh, which was horrendous for somebody like me, the very first year I had a crisis because they showed the uniform. I was all ready to play, you know, varsity basketball, and I'd come from a high school that had done pretty well, and they come out with these little tunicky, dressy things with sashes and embroidered numbers and little panty things underneath. And I, I mean, I barely wore a skirt, let alone something like that to play sports in. It was humiliating. I confronted the coach. I said, this is unacceptable. (laughs) Nobody, it was like, we'll wear this, you know. Anyway, I lost that battle. She said, you wear this or you don't play. 
But it was, uh, you know, it was great. I mean, it, in terms of just being with other young women who were doing what they love to do for the first time at Princeton. And that first step, having a team, was crucial for attracting prospective players like Laura Drummond McGill and Pat Harnish Zajac, both class of 76, who met with Associate Athletic Director Marilee Dean Baker when they were applying to Princeton. It was important to me, um, considering Princeton, that they did have sports programs and where they were headed with them. And so she painted me a picture of how this was all, this was all coming into being and it was going to be great and um, convinced me that, yeah, this would be a good place for a, a women athlete um, to go. I don't think I really appreciated at the time that my freshman year was only the second year of basketball and field hockey. We didn't have it as, as well as the men, but for coming from where I came from, I felt yeah, we had a lot. Yeah. I think Laura's right, though. I mean, when I came here, I, I didn't know what we didn't have. I mean, I wasn't longing for what we didn't exactly. have. Mm -hmm. exactly. I wanted to play, and we were playing, and I had good friends who played, and that was it. Yeah, we had so, a good team. Yeah. 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 The team got progressively better. After a 3-4 and four record in its abbreviated opening season, Princeton had winning records the next two years. And in December 1974, hosting the first Ivy League basketball tournament, the Tigers swept Radcliffe, Cornell, Yale, Penn, and Brown in an exhausting round-robin event. Yes, that's right, five games in two days. They had their original coach, Penny Hinckley, to thank for the format. Here again are Younghome and Rubenfeld. And we were in Jadwin, and all the Ivies came and everything. It was a round robin, you know, like from dawn to dusk thing. And Penny had designed it. We had a new coach by then, uh, Pat. Who uh, really who had played it. basketball. <laughs> Pat Walsh, uh, Pat Walsh, who actually had coached uh, the JVs at Immaculata. So this was so big deal. Thrilling. We're like, she knew how to talk the lane. She knew how to, like, we talked last night, design a press, break a press. This was like. Whoa! This, you know, so we really shot up in <laughs> competitive ability and also IQ, uh, basketball IQ because we had a real basketball coach who was also female, which not many uh, coaches at the time of women's sports were female. Again, looking back, we didn't. We we knew it was fun and great. We were just so happy to have the tournament get every. You know, all the Ivies were now playing. Uh, most of them were playing women's uh, basketball. And, um, you know, so we knew it was significant, but not historical, if you will. You know, we were just, you just did what was in front of you. We loved the fact that, I mean, by my senior year, we were playing, don't laugh, 16 games instead of seven. Princeton would win four straight Ivy League championships, a feat that the Tigers would not duplicate until the recent four-year run from 2010 to 2013. Members of those teams were on hand at our roundtable talks to ask questions to the early players, including this exchange about meals and travel, featuring Megan Bowen, class of 2013, Young Home, 
and Rubenfeld. Did you guys do like a uh, pre-game meal? Those sorts of things? Where did you guys? We, we were, were lucky to make it to we the We did, we went to PJ's for, wasn't, or was <laughs> on, for, on weekend games, yeah. we, if we knew we were having a, you know, we would we do a carbo PJ's load. pancake house and eat but way too much. Did Princeton pay for that or do we have to? Well, we debated We couldn't that. remember that. Some people that said we paid night. for ourselves, some people think we got a per diem. And did I you remember. ever stay at a hotel? No. Like, oh my God! Far away. We yeah. slept on the floor of gyms and things sometimes. Didn't yes. We? If you, yeah, if you traveled overnight, you you slept <laughs> in dorms or on the floor of gyms on mattresses. Yeah. Yeah. And Youngholm had questions for the recent alumni too. Here she is again with Bowen. Yeah. What I wonder about did that realizing that you were being approached so what I would consider quite young and did, did that put pressure on you once you're here like you are you identified as a basketball player and you better perform and you know does it affect the passion for the game does it feel like a responsibility I think it was different actually in regards to the fact that we didn't we weren't aren't here on scholarships so that's mm-hmm. different than a lot of other mm-hmm. um, like athletes Division at other schools, colleges yeah. Yeah. experience um, a lot of them also, it forces the people who don't necessarily want to be on the team any longer to stay on the team. And mm. I think you had a lot of people on the team who wanted, you know, the basketball program wasn't paying for their college. So mm-hmm. you were here because you wanted to be here. All of the women had a chance to reflect on how the program has grown in 45 years. Here are Rubenfeld, Youngholm, and Cheryl Stevens, class of 2010. I love my time at Princeton, and I love that we started this program yeah. that has become so successful and that these other young women don't even know like yeah. what we went through. I mean, I just I think that's so amazing, and I hope they give us our HYP pins <laughs> 40 years later, since we never Abby's lost an Ivy League game. <laughs> she wants the HYP blame. Pin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, sort of the same thing, and is that it's just I'm extraordinarily proud. Yeah. I'm going to tear up. Yeah. You know, it's really amazing. Because you see you guys on TV or you read about it and you're like, wow. Because yeah. we were just, you know, you can see, but it just, it's very moving to realize that you guys don't even, I mean, it wouldn't occur to you but to be big and strong and athletic and no, that's good. female athlete at Princeton and proud of who you are and compete at the highest levels and aspire to that um, is it, you know, and be great scholars, and and just all of it. And when we were here, we, we we couldn't see that horizon. You know, you can't. I can't see it mm-hmm. except through you guys. In retrospect, now I look and I say, "Wow, yeah. that's you know what started uh, long ago." And we couldn't have dreamt. I mean, sometimes I'm really envious. You know, it's like, oh, you know, because I'm too short and everything else. Not a fast twitch fiber in my body, but. Um, on the other hand, I wouldn't trade it for anything because um, it, it was just, it, it forced us to be assertive and fight for what we wanted and believe we was our due by coming to this university to be fully present, engaged, have every access to everything that the, that the, guys, that the guys did. And I'm glad I was able to do multiple sports here yeah, and meet me too. the incredible women that I met across yeah. the spectrum who are still part of my life. From our perspective, you know, having just recently graduated, it's so neat to meet you guys and hear the stories because you're right. We don't think about the fact that people had to like 
pioneer this, you know. But that's what we wanted, that, you know, like, you yeah. guys don't have to think we about don't it. No, to, but yeah. it's amazing. And, I mean, basketball, and specifically Princeton basketball, I mean, it's shaped every part of my life and who mm-hmm. I am. So to meet you guys and hear these stories, it's just incredible. And, to, you know, to see the girls out there playing today, yeah. like, you know, we feel like we helped sort of... Oh, you um, did. Big time. Yeah. You know, lay the foundation for them, and it's just this... Um, this is like incredible program and, and something so special to be a part of. So I'm I'm excited that we have such a big group that's back yeah, here. This is it's really, really cool. neat and we gotta keep it and going. And we cover like every yeah. decade. Yeah. And with that, we turned off the mics and went up to Jadwin's main floor, where more than thirty alumni joined the current team at Center Court. Princeton women spanning nearly fifty years, all in one circle. Our thanks to all the alumni who spoke with PAW, including those whose voices aren't featured in the final cut, Kaz Crawford, class of 78, Renee Cran, class of 79, Andrea Razi Thomas, class of 96, and Tani Brown, class of 2010. Brett Tomlinson produced this episode. The music is licensed from First Com Music. <laughs>